0: Holy! It's the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole, and I'm maintaining the energy, baby. Hey, don't forget to check out the website and the Twitter thing, and of course the Facebook page, which can be found over at Facebook.com. Snatch! How? How good it is, Pod? Have I got a trivia question for ye? Well, it turns out I do, and here it is. Name the game show host who wrote a song that was originally intended to be a B-side, but which instead went to the top five in 1962. And of course, as usual, I'll have the answer later on. So this week we're talking about the Osmond Brothers. They were a family-based music group that had most of their hits in the early 1970s. Now, while George and Olive Osmond had nine children altogether, the core of the group was originally composed of four of the sons, Alan, Wayne, Merrill, and Jay. They got their start as a barbershop quartet, performing in the Ogden Utah area, which is where they grew up. The money they earned appears to have had two different purposes. Uh, First was to earn money to support brothers Verl and Tom, who had severe congenital hearing impairments, and they needed hearing aids. And the other reason was to serve their mission for the Mormon church. Now, the boys were pretty young at this point. Alan was the oldest at nine years of age, whereas Jay was only three. But they had both the talent and the ability to perform comfortably on stage. Enough, in fact, that in 1962, at which point Alan would have been about 12, George took them to California to audition for the Lawrence Welk Show. Well, in the end, they didn't get to meet with Welk, but while they were out there, they took a visit to Disneyland. And at some point during the day, Disneyland's director of entertainment uh, happened to be walking through the park when he saw the boys singing along with the Dapper Dans. Now, the Dapper Dans is the barbershop quartet that performs in the Main Street area. He was impressed enough that he booked them to appear on a segment of the disneyland after dark episode of the show walt disney's wonderful world of color ladies and gentlemen from ogden utah the osmond brother hello to everybody Hello to everyone Now we're here to spread good cheer with songs and lots of fun Sit back, relax, and listen while we sing for you We're the Osmond Brothers Quartet We love to sing, you back. So hello to everyone I'm Alan. I'm Wayne. I'm Meryl. I'm Jay and I'm six years old. I'm A. I'm 10. I'm 12 years old and I'm the bass. I'm the baritone. I'm the tenor. <laughs> I'm the lead. We're sidebar. The cute thing about this video is that there are reaction shots of the audience throughout and you can see early on that this audience... Doesn't know what to do with this act at first. And they actually do get one over about this point in the video. And I will link it over on the uh, website. At any rate, the episode of Disney ran twice, in April and then again in July of 1962, and you can find it in, on DVD nowadays. Uh, this, in turn, led to, to the Osmonds getting booked on Andy Williams' variety show on a regular basis up until 1967, when the show was canceled. A couple of years into this run, uh, younger brother Donnie joined the group, and after the show was canceled, they signed with Jerry Lewis's show until that show was canceled in 1969. By then, coincidentally... Andy Williams had a new variety show, so they returned to Andy Williams. Unfortunately, that show didn't last very long at all. It was around this time that they decided they really wanted to become a rock and roll band, so they convinced George to let them make the change. They recorded this song called Flower Music, which didn't chart, but it did demonstrate that they might have had some talent for the genre. In 1971, producer Mike Curb saw them performing as a band and thought he could get them into a successful place. So he helped them get a contract with MGM Records and hooked them up with producer Rick Hall, who was mostly known for producing R&B records. They went into the Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and they got to work. Yeah. Yeah. I One Bad Apple was written by George Jackson. Now, there's a rumor that he wrote the song for the Jackson 5, to which he has no family connection, and that the Jackson 5 turned it down in favor of ABC, and that rumor came from, oddly enough, Donny Osmond himself. But the story doesn't make sense, because George Jackson was one of the staff songwriters in Muscle Shoals, so it's not likely that he'd have written a song and offered it to a Motown artist first. At the very least, he'd have shot for an Atlantic R&B artist, since so many of them recorded there. But the fact is, Jackson did write the song as though it was a Jackson 5 song, and between Rick Hall's production work and Donny Osmond's vocals in the chorus, what you have is something that clearly has the echoes of I Want You Back from the overall structure to the lyrical content. Just listen to this clip from the Jackson 5 and see if you don't agree. not crazy, right? There's a definite similarity there. Oh, and incidentally, the album which is titled simply Osmonds features a Motown medley on it and it sounds about exactly as you'd expect it would. Bow, 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 bow. Oh, my dear, I miss, so much. I miss so much I need love now more than before I can't hardly carry on anymore I'm gonna make you love me Ooh, yes, I will You know Yes, I will Ooh, I'm So, gonna make mm, you love yeah. you But the change in sound was a smart one, and it did in fact allow the Osmonds to get not only their first hit single Anywhere, but also their first number one on the Billboard Hot 100. The song was recorded in October of 1970, it was released in November of 1970, and it topped the chart by mid-February of 1971. It was also a Top 40 track in Australia, but it would be another year and two label changes before the Osmonds reached the Top 40 in the U.K., where they finally cracked it with Down by the Lazy River and Top 5 with Crazy Horses, which didn't chart at all here in the U.S. Now let me offer up a little fairness here. The addition of Donny Osmond's voice to the chorus was a smart move, especially with their emulating the Jackson 5. And it certainly marks the beginning of Donny as a teen idol, but most of the heavy lifting on this record was done by Merrill singing lead throughout the song. That said, there's another track on the album, Sweet and Innocent, which was released as a Donnie Osmond solo track. Now, while it had that Motown sound, and the Osmonds were definitely a talented bunch, Donny offered up another possible reason for the song's success. In an interview with Uncut Magazine, Donny recalled that while they were recording at Fame Studios, they would often get McDonald's for lunch. Rick Hall liked the filet of fish sandwich, but he didn't like that tartar sauce-like stuff that they put on it. The Osmonds recorded the music track, While someone was out getting the lunch order The recording wound up being a little long So Hall cut out a section of the song And he tossed the tape in the trash As you do Then lunch arrived and he threw away part of the sandwich in the trash Because of the sauce And he threw it right on top of the tape And it wasn't until a little later that they realized He cut out the wrong portion of the song So they had to retrieve the tape out of the trash And they spent a long time wiping off the sauce And then they spliced it back in And cut the vocal track So according to Donny Osmond was literally a secret sauce on the recording, and that was his explanation for One Bad Apple going to number one. All right, it is time. I love that story. It is time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I had asked you about a game show host who wrote a song that was never intended to be a hit but it made it to the top five anyway. That would be Chuck Barris, game show producer and host of the original Gong Show, which was a purposely low-budget talent show that ran into the, in the 1970s. And the song? Well, Barris wrote a song about a generic amusement park and someone suggested he used a real park as the title. the northern end of Manhattan, and he looked across the Hudson River at the New Jersey Palisades Cliffs, and that's where the park was located, and so he was inspired to use the amusement park that sat atop those cliffs for his song. He worked the park into the lyrics, and he made it the title, and a song was born. (laughs) Palisades Park was released as the B-side to this song called June, July, and August, But a DJ in Flint, Michigan, accidentally played the wrong side and the song caught on, eventually reaching number three in the U.S. in June of 1962. And that's a full lid on another edition of How Good It Is. If you're liking the show, share it with someone you love. If you're not liking it, share it anyway as your revenge on someone you hate. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us at howgoodpodcasts at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter at HowGoodItIsPod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash HowGoodItIsPod. Or you can check out the show's website, HowGoodItIs.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Thanks, as usual, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. We're up to number three. That's cool. Next time around, we're going to find out how good it is when you're just dust in the wind. Thank you for listening.